Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Highway Community Podcast. My name is David, and I'm so glad that you're joining us today, wherever it is that you're tuning in from. Our sincere hope is that you experience God's deep love for you, and that you find yourself refreshed, encouraged, and maybe even a little challenged in our time together today. If there are ways that we can be walking with you in this season, we would love to know. You can head over to highway.org and click Get Connected in the top right corner of the screen, and one of our pastors will follow up with you shortly. Uh, We're starting a new series today, uh, and it's one that I'm so excited about. Have you ever been really excited about something? Uh, Like waiting, counting down on the calendar, having a hard time going to sleep at night, excited about something? Uh, well, we've got a kid who just had a birthday, uh, her second of the pandemic, and the first one got totally sideswiped by the shelter-in-place order, and she was such a good sport about it. Uh, but this kid loves her birthday. And so this year, we were like, let's go full send. Let's make a big deal about it. And you know, it worked. We made uh, such a big deal about it, though, that her sister got excited about it, too, which led to a sort of uh, unforeseen sleep-related crisis in our house. Now, uh, objectively, they were both short probably an hour or two of sleep for like a few nights. Uh, but emotionally, it felt like no one slept in our house at all for like the whole week. They were so excited about it. They were so focused on what that moment was going to be like finally when her birthday got there. Anticipation is such a powerful thing. It fixes our attention on the thing we want or the moment that we're waiting for. And our new series is called Before What's Next. And what we hope to do in the next few weeks is look at what the scriptures might have to say about these moments, even seasons of anticipation and transition. This past fall, we did a series called A Table in the Wilderness, where we looked at Israel's gap time. You know, you know that gap year gone terribly wrong, the 40 years that they spent wandering in the desert between when God rescued them from slavery in Egypt to when they entered the land that God had promised to give them. And we talked about how God uses wilderness for a purpose, to show his people his character and you know, what he's like, and to teach them what it means to be his people. There are good and beautiful things to be found there. God uses wilderness for a purpose, but that doesn't mean it's super enjoyable or what we would opt into. 40 years is a long time. Can you imagine the sense of anticipation that must have been building as those 40 years came to an end? As the Israelites got close to the Jordan River, what separated their very real wilderness from their promised home they did something surprising. They stopped. And the book of Deuteronomy records Moses leading them through what is essentially a large-scale corporate reflection of where they've been, who they are, and what they will need for where they're going. It's hard to imagine a time of greater anticipation or a more clear transition from one season to the next in this moment. 
And so what we want to do for the next few weeks is to sit with the book of Deuteronomy. You know, Moses speaking into this important moment in Israel's history. Uh, We want to sit with the book of Deuteronomy and start to lift out some themes that can help guide us when we encounter moments like this ourselves. Moments uh, very much like this one that we're in right now as there's a very real light at the end of what's felt like a very long tunnel with the pandemic and things are opening back up and some of what we've had to not do for the last year starts to be available to us again. As we experience that anticipation, a feeling on the edge of transitioning from one season to the next, how can this moment from the scriptures inform how we navigate this moment in time. What guidance do the scriptures have for us for before what's next? As we get started today, would you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for this time to gather together and consider what your scriptures might have to say to us about this moment that we're in. God, I pray that you would open our minds and hearts to the reality of your presence with us. Your goodness interwoven into what has been a hard and long and wearying season. God, would those things shape us, form us, and stay with us as we take our next steps in the coming weeks, months, and year ahead. We love you. Would you continue to form us into a people who live and love like you do? We pray these things in and for your name. Amen. Uh, have you ever just wanted to get home? Uh, like, like had one of those moments where you're like, this has been nice, but I'm done here. <laughs> it doesn't mean that where you were is terrible. I'm just talking about that pull, that longing to be in your own space or with your people that gives you that kind of single-minded focus, that readiness to just be home. And this past February, I took some time off and we took the kids up to the Sierra foothills uh, to a little quirky town called Arnold to stay in a cabin and, you know, do the snow thing. Uh, And we definitely got to do the snow thing. Uh, We were there for that gigantic blizzard that came through. Uh, I think got somewhere between three and a half and five feet of snow in just a couple days, uh, which is great. It's like winter wonderland, uh, except it knocked the power out. And we were in a cabin that had electric heat, an electric hot water heater, and an electric stove. And the power went out Wednesday night, and we weren't able to get out until Saturday I have many stories from that time that, believe me, you will hear. Uh, But for today, let's just say that there have been fewer times in my life when I was so ready to be home. Uh, And now when people are like, you know, the snow is so beautiful. I'm like, I'm good, actually. I've I've had my fill. I don't need to go back anytime soon. I was so ready to be home. And Brittany was too. uh, So ready, in fact, uh, that even though we were exhausted, she vetoed a coffee stop. was like, the next time this car stops will be when we are in our driveway. Uh, We were so ready to get home. It was like nothing would make us stop. Which is one of the reasons this moment from the scriptures is so profound. Deuteronomy begins as Israel stops. 
The book of Deuteronomy begins this way, in Deuteronomy 1, starting in verse 1. These are the words Moses spoke to all Israel in the wilderness east of the Jordan. (laughs) They were almost there. They were almost home. It's just there on the other side of the river, but they stop. I can't imagine a group of people more ready to be home to have a sense of stability, to put down roots, to have a sense of normalcy than a group of people that's been walking around the desert for 40 years. 40 years of being migrant, of being constantly transient, and never really fully settled anywhere they were, dependent at times on nations around them for safe passage, dependent on God all the time for even the most basic needs of food and water. Forty years of displacement, of discomfort, and dependence. Aren't we often in such a hurry out of seasons that make us feel that way? Disrupt our sense of normalcy and make us feel out of place? Times that are uncomfortable when we're hit with the reality that we don't have what we need. Aren't we so often in such a hurry out of our wilderness times? So eager to cross the river and not have to be in the wilderness anymore. But after 40 years of waiting, of anticipation with home literally in view and the gravitational pull they must have felt to cross that river. Moses has the nation of Israel stop. Why does he do this? As the world opens back up around us, there's going to be the same kind of gravitational pull back to what feels normal, back to what feels like home, back in a lot of ways to the way things were, things that we've really missed. But instead of just rushing back, what we see here in the scriptures is a call to stop. Instead of just rushing into the promised land and getting to the business of living, Israel stops. But why? As we were talking about this series with the team, uh, James, our family pastor at Palo Alto, said this thing that really struck me. That to not bring the lessons from the wilderness with us into what's next is to stay stuck in the wilderness forever. And so instead of just rushing into what's next, into the land that God had promised them, out of this season marked by displacement, discomfort, and dependence, Moses has the nation of Israel stop. And the first thing Moses does is have them look back objectively at where they've been and what they've been through. Have you ever heard this phrase, revisionist history? It's this tendency, it seems like we all have, you know, to polish, to tidy, to clean up the past, you know, modify the narrative a bit, you know, just, you know, adjust some facts so that the story reads more favorably towards us and makes us look better. Uh, you know, our, our motives get purer than maybe they were in the moment when we tell the story in hindsight. You know, our actions maybe are more admirable. We swap a, you know, a, I knew this would work kind of confidence. And when in reality, we were uncertainty, uncertain at the time. In revisionist history, uh, we become the heroes of our own stories. Uh, that is 
not (laughs) what Moses does here. The book of Deuteronomy begins with Moses retelling Israel their own story of the last 40 years. And he pulls no punches. Deuteronomy chapter 1 through midway chapter 2 are terrible Israelite propaganda. They do not exist to create a glowing historical record of a people who got it right despite some hard circumstances. Look, in fact, 27 of those verses, almost as much space as is given to the rest of the 40-year wanderings combined, 27 of those verses are devoted to telling the story of one moment. Israel's key failure. See, this wasn't the first time that Israel had been looking across the border at the land that God had promised them. In Deuteronomy 1, verse 19 to 46, Moses retells the story from 40 years before of the 12 spies who went into the same land that they can see across the river now. And about how even though God had been so tangibly with them, the people decided they would rather go back to Egypt or die in the desert rather than step by faith into what God had promised them. He pulls no punches. There's no revisionist history. There's no hero making here. Only passages like this Deuteronomy 1 starting in verse 46 or verse 26, excuse me. But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of them. The Lord your God who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and show you the way you should go. And when the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, no one from this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give your ancestors. Passages like that or passages like this one starting in verse 43. So I told you, but you would not listen. You rebelled against the Lord's command, and in your arrogance, you marched up into the hill country. The Amorites who lived in those caves came out against you, and they chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Seir all the way to Hormah. You came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. Why would Moses do this? Why in all this anticipation, what could have been such a feel-good Hallmark movie moment, why does he do this? Moses marks this moment of transition. 
Moses has the Israelites stop and look objectively at their past. Because he is more concerned with the Israelites being whole and faithful in their future than he is with them being comfortable in this moment. And so before what's next, they stop. And they look back objectively. So that all of those mistakes, all of those lessons that had to be learned the hard way, and all of the ways that God met them and shaped them and refined them in that desert season might carry with them into the future that God had promised them. See, in moments of transition, we need to stop. We, we need to stop and look objectively at what we've just come through to see what God is saying to us about it. Because learning and growth and lasting change come through honest, objective reflection and the active presence of the Spirit of God. And look, that's another way of saying that God meets us in what's real, where we really are, how we're really doing, what we're really going through, what we've really been through, and how we've really responded to those things. When we slow down, stop and take an objective, uh, at times humbling look back, it connects us with reality, the good and the bad of it, which is where God meets us, shapes us, and refines us. See, when we stop and look back objectively on a wilderness season, it helps connect us to what God was doing through it, so that it comes with us into what's next. Uh, But it does mean that we have to confront reality. And honestly, I think that's why it's so hard to do. I know it is for me. Sure, there's all the Silicon Valley busyness stuff that makes it hard to stop and slow down. Our schedules are full, lots of responsibilities, all that. Uh, But maybe you've also felt this way before. Uh, There's times when I don't want to stop and look back because I know I'm not going to like what's there. There's times when I would rather live with my own narrative where I'm just right, you know, I'm the hero of the story. Revisionist history is comfortable and comforting, but it's not real. And so when we find ourselves in moments of transition, it's so important for us to stop and look objectively at what we've just come through so that we can see where God has been at work in the midst of it. And so that can stay with us as we take our first steps into what's next. Wilderness seasons are hard. This last year has been hard. But they're also full of graces. You know, times when our worlds get flipped upside down, where we feel displaced, disrupted, where we experience discomfort and you know, grapple with our own limitations and just how, to, uh, how out of control we really are. You know, those, are really, those are rarely things that we would opt into. 
but God meets us in those places in a way that's just different. You know, we get to see just a little bit more clearly who God is, what God's nature and character are like. You know, and by God's grace, we learn. Those experiences teach us more about ourselves and where God is inviting us to grow. See, there are gifts that are woven by grace into the wilderness. Because God uses wilderness for a purpose. And when we're in moments of transition, when finally the wilderness starts to feel like it's in the rearview mirror, you know, if we stop instead of just rushing ahead, if we look back objectively at what we've just come through instead of perhaps relying on a more comfortable or flattering version of the story, you know, if we stop and we look back, it helps connect us to how God has not just been using that time, but has been there with us in all of it. After breaking down in really sharp detail how the Israelites had gotten that moment wrong, Moses starts to summarize basically the next 40 years of wandering in the wilderness in chapter 2. And, you know, it reads a bit like a travel blog. You know, we went here, we went there. Uh, but Moses slides this comment in, in verse 7. It's so important, especially given the context, this objective look back at one of their worst moments. He says this in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 7. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He's watched over you. He's watched over your journey through this vast wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. And you have not lacked anything. See, God was there the whole time. Even in moments when I'm sure it felt like he wasn't. And there's a question we have to ask ourselves. And look, I ask this with all gentleness. There's no, there's no sarcasm. There's no tone here. Wilderness seasons can be hard and really painful. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we really believe that God is active, present, and at work in our lives in all times, in all things, through all circumstances? even the seasons we wouldn't choose and we can't wait to get out of. There's this moment in Genesis 28 when Jacob is running away from his brother Esau, you know, who wants to kill him after he stole his inheritance by lying to and deceiving their father. And he's running away and he's out in the wilderness and he has this dream in the middle of the night and God speaks to him in it. And when he wakes up the next morning, he says this, in Genesis 28, verse 16. Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. How has God been with you this past year? How has God been meeting you in the wilderness? Surely God was there. Even if we didn't know it at the time. When we find ourselves in moments of transition, 
from one season to the next. Let's stop. Let's look objectively at what we've just come through. And let's listen for what God is saying to us about it. So that those gifts of the wilderness stay with us as we take our first steps into what's next. Here's what I want to invite us to do together this week. Let's make time to stop. We're going to have to be intentional to do so. If you want to open your calendar now and block off the time, that's probably a good idea. But let's stop. And let's look back together. Here's some questions to consider for that time. What's the real story of your last year? How are you really doing? What's gone well? What hasn't? What hardships did you experience? Where did you feel yourself being refined or growing? And where was God in all of it? What is God saying to you about this last year? When we find ourselves in moments of transition, taking the time to stop and look back objectively connects us both with God's presence and God's purpose for that time and helps guide our first steps into what's next. Would you pray with me? God, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear how you have been working through this last year, even a little bit longer, so unforeseen and so unexpected. Would you give us eyes to see how you have been working in and through us and around us in your world, in your creation that you love so much? Would you give us eyes to see, and God, would you give us ears to hear what you're saying to us about it? what you're inviting us to bring with us into this next season. God, we love you. We thank you that you walk with us in all places and through all things. We thank you that you loved us first. We pray these things in and for your name. Amen. Amen.